the show talking about some hockey. So lots of hockey news, lots of sports news yesterday. Um, the biggest thing that came out probably was from the Colorado Avalanche. Um, Matt Duchesne, a lot of trade speculation with Matt Duchesne. Um, he is planning to attend camp. Uh, he did actually show up. Um, but sources say that both sides remain committed to trading him as the best case scenario and will continue to work on it. So that whole situation is a bit strange to me because Matt Duchesne strikes me as a franchise type player and Colorado seems to be in search of a franchise player. Um, I'm not quite sure with everything that's gone wrong for the Avalanche why they want to force this kid out. Um, but I think that Matt Duchesne is a player that would make sense on pretty much any team. Um, you know, especially a team like maybe Montreal, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But it is definitely interesting to see a player in the NHL uh, where t his, his own team is saying that they want to trade him out. And he really is like a franchise type of player. Um, it, it's very strange to see that. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Matt Duchesne and the Colorado Avalanche. Um, then there was this interesting picture by At Earth Picks. Uh, this was a picture of uh, from a tent in British Columbia. Um, I thought that was like a really cool picture that I wanted to share with you guys on the podcast. Um, then there was a tweet kind of going back into politics um, about Motel Six of all places. Um, they actually had this bit of news saying that they send a report every morning to ICE all of the names of everybody that comes in one front desk clerk explained every morning at about 5 o'clock we do the audit and we push a button and it sends it to ICE. ICE obviously the group in charge of immigration in the states um, ACLU saw this policy and said is this your official company policy Motel 6 um, so pretty crazy situation going on there in the states, um, my one of my favorite comedians, uh, Doug Benson, tweeted out to that. We'll leave the light on for some of you. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Ian Brown tweeted out um, some pretty interesting news that David Price will pitch out of the bullpen in a multi-inning role for the remainder of 2017. He will be the first available uh, this weekend for the Red Sox. Um, so this I found interesting because. David Price has pitched out of the bullpen for, uh, for the Blue Jays in the playoffs, and he was not really a fan of that role. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens for the Red Sox, but it, it could be an interesting situation for the Red Sox because they might have um, you know, a really good setup, closer, uh, setup to the closer um, out of their bullpen now in David Price. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. And again, just a cheap plug, um, if you are watching this on YouTube, first of all, thank you. Um, but there's also other ways that you can consume this show. Uh, we're available now on Stitcher, iTunes, and TuneIn. Um, so if you're listening to us on those platforms, thank you. Um, but yeah, whichever way you decide to consume our show, it's all good to us. Um, but we just want to make sure everybody's aware of like all of the different ways to consume the show. Um, so going back into politics, um, something that I was vaguely aware of, but I wasn't totally aware of that I wanted to share with you guys on the podcast um, is about ITT Tech. Uh, so ITT Tech uh, Institute um, collapsed in the U.S. a while ago. Um, but what I didn't know about it was how much it was costing taxpayers. It's estimated now, and this is an article on gizmodo.com, that ITT Tech closing may actually cost taxpayers half a billion dollars. Um, and this was after the Department of Education actually blocked uh, ITT Tech from enrolling new students. Um, ITT Tech basically was found out to be, um, in its own way, a bit of a Ponzi scheme, basically spitting out diplomas um, that weren't really helping people get positions um, and taking in their money at the same time. So. Um, at the end of all of it, it may actually cost uh, taxpayers half a billion dollars, which is totally insane. 
Um, and staying with universities and, and politics, um, one of the things that I think everybody in my generation has seen when it comes to university and college is the costs continue to go up. Um, and, you know, there's actually an article in The Atlantic uh, from David Frum where he was talking about perhaps one of the reasons why. And what he was looking at was that if you look at the number of professors over time, it's not that the number of professors have increased that greatly. It's increased, but not by that much. Um, what's increased by a large amount is the number of administrators at these universities, at these colleges. Um, and it, it was an astonishing figure. If you're interested, definitely check out the article on theatlantic.com from David Fromm. Um, but it was just a huge balloon of, of numbers uh, going from something like crazy, like 2,000 to 12,000. Um, and, and that's basically now full-time workers uh, that need to get paid. Um, and, you know, they've got pretty interesting salaries on top of that. Um, and, you know, these aren't the people that are educating the students. These are administrators. So very interesting article uh, kind of pointing out how crazy it is that the university costs continue to go up and maybe this is a reason why and it's a reason that doesn't really make sense to anybody. Um, something else I found interesting, interesting that I, I tweeted out uh, yesterday, I had no idea but uh, George Takei uh, from Star Trek, the TV series, um, actually lived in an internment camp when he grew up so that just goes to show you like how that wasn't really that long ago that that happened in the U.S. Um, and yeah, like it's just kind of mind-blowing to even think of that, but that's something that I didn't know about until I saw that yesterday, and I, I found that uh, you know pretty crazy, so I wanted to share that with you guys in the podcast as well. Um, also something really crazy, and this was uh, from the Huffington Post, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was actually whitewashed the whole time, and Monir uh, tweeted back at that saying, so Roald Dahl originally wrote Charlie as a young black boy, but his agent told him not to because people would ask why. Um, and obviously that's very much a shame, and there was a lot of response to this on Twitter that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, for the most part, the response was pretty much what I was thinking as well. Um, so Karen Sands O'Connor tweeted, the Oompa Loompas were originally a pygmy tribe, did that happen before or after Dahl's agent rejected a black British Charlie? That's a fair question. Uh, Rhoda Ola said, tweeted out, I love this book growing up, but imagine how many young black children it would have inspired. Hashtag whitewashing. And I could not agree with Rhoda more. I think that, um, you know, as, as great of a story as Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was growing up, and it was one of my favorite books growing up, um, and obviously the movies with it, the original more so than the one with um, uh, Johnny Depp, um, it, it, it would have been, it, it's, it's crazy in a way to think of it this way, but just by changing the race of a character like that, how much of a, how much of a, a more meaning it would give to the story, how, mu how much more inspirational, as Rhoda was saying, it would be to people. Um, it, it definitely, I think, would have um, it would have meant more. I think Roald Dahl had the right idea if that was actually, as it's been reported, his original concept of that story. Um, I, I think it would have added more to the story. Um, and I definitely agree with what Rhoda's saying. I think it would have served as, as a, a really good inspiration um, to people. Um, so yeah, like, I, I found this like really, really interesting when I found out about it. Um, on a side note, something totally unrelated, um, something that I found interesting, um, I was watching um, something and they were talking about the difference between Rio and LA. Uh, so Rio de Janeiro, um, where, you know, it's kind of the opposite of LA because the people in the hills are not rich versus the people at the bottom. And then in LA, it's the opposite. The people that are in the hills or living in the hills are the rich people and the people at the bottom are not. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that kind of the complete opposite in two major cities in the world, Los Angeles and Rio de Janeiro. Um, this I also found pretty crazy. Um, this was from ABC7. 
Um, and apparently, uh, speaking of LA, uh, Compton, uh, there's actually cowboys that ride in the city of Compton. Uh, I, I had no idea about this. I thought it was actually a joke when I saw it, but this is actually legit. And this is from ABC7. Um, so if you're interested, definitely check that out. Um, this was a tweet from Samuel Johnson, and we haven't talked about wrestling in a while in, in the show. Uh, but this was interesting. This was some old. These were some old school trading cards uh, for WCW, and you can't really tell totally. Uh, but both cards say that it's Jimmy Garvin. Now Jimmy Garvin is definitely on the card on the right, but on the card on the left, that's actually Scott Hall. Um, so I'm not quite sure how they made that mistake, but I thought that was pretty funny. Um, going back into sports, going back into hockey, there was a lot of news coming out of the hockey world yesterday as training camp started. Um, one of them, which I found crazy, is the Toronto Maple Leafs made an offer uh, to keep uh, Roman Polak back on the team um, after he'd been traded away. Um, to be honest, I, I don't understand the Leafs' fascination with this player. Um, I watch him play, and I feel like the NHL is going in a, in a speed direction, and I don't think Roman Polak can keep up with that. Um, I, I, and even defensively, I don't see him being any kind of answer for the Leafs. I think they're better suited staying young and, and giving the young kids a shot at the, at the blue line. Um, I, I was never really a fan of Roman Polak's, um, even from before when he was with the Leafs. I just found, you know, sometimes he would take stupid penalties, um, he was just a slow defenseman um, and a lot of times making mistakes that cost goals. Um, I, I, I seriously don't understand why the Leafs are, are interested in bringing him into training camp. I, I, I don't view him as, as a positive thing at all for the, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think they're better off just letting him go somewhere else or retire. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. but. Um, Clearly, they've got some type of fascination with him that I don't understand. Um, so then, yesterday, I was looking into a lot of different things when it comes to government, uh, some things that I found interesting. Uh, one of the things I found interesting uh, was the CIA. So um, for those of you that don't know, it was actually started with um, when Harry Truman was president. And after Harry Truman left office, he actually said that looking back, he thought that the CIA was a mistake. Um, which is interesting to hear from somebody that's, that was you know, responsible for starting it. Um, but it's also interesting in today's day and age when you look at what the CIA is involved in in terms of you know, espionage on its own citizens, um, you know, the craziness that's involved in terms of your right to privacy versus your right to security. Um, you know, it's interesting that Harry Truman had that opinion after the fact. Um, and then yesterday, I believe it was, we were talking about Donald Trump's administration trying to control the leaks in government. Um, and I found an interesting quote that said that leaks in government now are not just inevitable, they're baked into the pie. And I think that's true. I think that the way that government is constructed, there's almost no way to avoid leaks. Um, and I think that the more secretive that the government tries to be, the more that those leaks become available. Um, so, you know, and, and it kind of shows you that if the government was less secretive, leaks wouldn't be as big of a deal, and they probably wouldn't happen as much, but the more secretive that the government becomes, the more likely that leaks get out there. Something else that blew my mind, I really never put any thought into this or really even paid any attention to this, but uh, Madison, who was one of the most responsible for writing the Constitution in the U.S., was actually 23 years old at the time, um, and that kind of blew me away. I was looking at it, I was like, 23 years old? Um, that's crazy, you know, uh, but I, I thought that was interesting. I wanted to share that with you guys um, on the podcast. Um, then going back into entertainment for a minute. So a lot of news coming out about shows getting re-upped. Um, one of them yesterday was actually from Comedy Central. Uh, Comedy Central said that they're, they're going to keep Trevor Noah as the host for The Daily Show through 2022. Um, 
So I responded to that saying that's five more years that I won't be watching The Daily Show. Um, I'm just not really a fan of Trevor Noah's. Maybe it's because I'm holding him to a higher standard um, because I'm used to, you know, when The Daily Show first started um, with Craig Kilborn and then later with Jon Stewart, I just kind of view both of those hosts as, as way superior to Trevor Noah. Um, I just don't find Trevor Noah to be that funny. I find his jokes kind of forced. Um, you know, I, I've never really been that big of a fan of Trevor Noah. So, you know, he's he's got another five years. Let's see what happens. Um, I will probably not be viewing any of it, to be honest. Then there was this. Um, I don't know what this is. Um, it's apparently a naked sweater um, from the Calvin Klein collection. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw this and was dying laughing yesterday. I was like, what the hell is this? Is this a joke? But apparently this is very much real and Calvin Klein is putting it out there. Uh, then there was this cool moment in a WWE ring at a live event. Uh, where the New Day and apparently this football coach uh, for Hawaii um, actually gave a full scholarship to the quarterback Hunter Hughes at a live event. So I wanted to share that with you guys because I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool moment. Um, it's tweeted out by ESPN in Honolulu. So um, you know, very cool moment there in a WWE ring uh, where that guy was able to get a full scholarship at Hawaii. So very very nice. Uh, so while I kind of digging for for stuff to have on the podcast today, um, and I know it's been kind of a weird podcast today because it has. This, this episode has been more all over the place than I think any other one, um, but that's, that's really what the show is. Um, it, it is brain droppings for a reason. Um, this I found so crazy uh, when I saw this yesterday, um, but apparently there's a policy that says that the U.S. will not defend Canada from ballistic missile attacks. Um, and this comes at a time, obviously, with what's going on in North Korea. Um, I find that incredible, and I, I don't know if I necessarily believe it. Um, I'm sure it is a policy that the, the, the U.S. has, but at the same time, if something were to happen to Canada that is so close, uh, because all of Canada's major cities are so close to the U.S. border, um, it's so close to the U.S., I would just find it hard to believe if the U.S. didn't at least retaliate, uh, let alone defend. Um, but, you know, you think about the partnership that Canada has had with the U.S., whether it's, you know, recently in Afghanistan or Syria or, um, you know, you go back to World War II, um, you look at NORAD, you look at NATO, um, there's so much of a partnership between Canada and the U.S. militarily, um, I would just find it hard to believe if the U.S. didn't defend Canada. Um, but it's interesting, it's a very interesting article because it kind of shows, um, you know, me being a Canadian myself, how much we kind of take that for granted. Um, the U.S. we always think is, is a protector, um, no matter how disputed things get between our two countries. But, um, yeah, like to see this in an actual article form, I think kind of shocked a lot of Canadians. It definitely shocked me. And it kind of gets you thinking in a different way. Um, you know, really just in terms of thinking how much you, you may take uh, the U.S.'s military might for granted as a partner. Um, 
you know, but again, I, I still have my doubts about all of the article. Um, I, I still believe that the partnership between Canada and the U.S., especially militarily, is so strong that I would be more shocked if the U.S. didn't do something, if something were to happen to Canada. But um, I don't know. It, it, it's, an, it's an interesting article because it definitely gets you thinking. Um, so I thought I would share that on the podcast. Um, something else, just a, a brain dropping that I had. I think that, you know, we were talking about the CIA. Um, obviously, out of the CIA, we've also seen some spinoffs with the NSA. Uh, so I was thinking, you know, to be on an NSA watch list today, um, it seems like all you have to do is just spout off statements that were made by something as simple as like the founding fathers in the U.S. Um, it seems like even what the founding fathers were saying would be viewed as radical today um, and it seems like that's you know how far we've come um, and it, by saying that I of course mean that we haven't gone that far at all um, you know it, it, it's kind of sad that you know somebody just repeating back what the founding fathers said in the US would be viewed as radical and you know would be viewed as something that the NSA would put somebody on a watch list for but I do think that that is kind of the times that we live in um, and then this was something that I, I wasn't aware of, maybe some of you guys were, um, but apparently during the election cycle, uh, Colin Powell had an email that he said about Hillary Clinton and, and Bill Clinton, I would rather not have to vote for her, although she is a friend I respect. A 70-year-old person with a long track record, unbridled ambition, greedy, not transformational, with a husband still dicking bimbos at home, according to the New York Post in brackets. Um, so um, for some reason, I missed this, this uh, bit of news during the election cycle, um, but I, I found it extremely interesting. Number one, that it was coming from Colin Powell. Uh, number two, obviously, like his views on Hillary Clinton, I think, are the majority's views on Hillary Clinton. Um, but number three, how he was slamming Bill Clinton, how he was saying, with a husband still dicking bimbos at home. Um, that I found to be pretty interesting. Uh, then there was this from Comic Book Now saying that Stan Lee is optimistic about Marvel getting X-Men and Fantastic Four rights back, uh, talking about the Marvel Studios uh, for movies. What do you think about Fox, about like canceling the no X-Men merchandise and no Fantastic Four comics? Oh, sooner or later. No, they gonna get the rights back to all our characters. They're working on it. And they're still making X-Men movies and stuff. Don't worry about it. You'll get more Marvel superheroes than you have time to look at in the next few years. Uh, so some pretty interesting comments there from Stan Lee about X-Men and the Fantastic Four. Um, I find it interesting because it was, even though Stan Lee's saying that Marvel Studios is working on getting the rights back for those characters, um, it almost seemed like he was kind of passing off that question and kind of pointing out the fact that um, over the next few years, there's already so many movies planned uh, for Marvel Studios with Marvel characters uh, that you know he was saying like you, you'll have so many Marvel characters in movies you won't even have time to really watch them all kind of thing um, and I growing up I was very much into comic books and obviously like I'm a fan of a lot of the, the superhero movies but I, I do feel like they've oversaturated now I, I do feel like there's too, way too many superhero movies it seems like now there's like one every three months um and in in making it that way it's kind of like it dilutes the movies that already were made and the ones that are going to be made because it's almost like formulaic now and i think people are starting to become bored of those movies now they're still doing well in the box office um, but you have to start to wonder, like, how long is that going to last? And, and you're actually starting to see actors that are getting paid a ridiculous amount of money to play these characters actually start to say that they're getting tired of playing these characters and they want to do something else. 
which I can't blame them, um, because I, I kind of feel the same as a fan. It's just like there's only so many times you can see these movies and not get bored by them. Um, an example of that would be Guardians of the Galaxy. Like as as big of a comic book fan as I was growing up, I'd never known what the hell the Guardians of the Galaxy was until I saw the first movie. And the first movie I thought was great. Then they made Volume Two, and I went to see Volume Two, and you know it wasn't that great. You know, and I I kind of feel the same way about uh, you know series like the Avengers. You know, uh, Iron Man was awesome. Iron Man 2, not so much. The Avengers, not so much. Um, you know, you look at the recent Spider-Man Homecoming movie. Um, you know, I wasn't really that big of a fan of that one either. I, I actually preferred the Tobey Maguire films. Um, you know, too many reboots, too many movies, too many sequels, uh, too many, like, Justice League, uh, Avengers-type movies where we want to put everybody together. And it gets boring pretty quickly and I, I think that um, that's definitely something that I was thinking when I was watching this. The other thing I was thinking is that how long it takes movie studios to get rights to things. Um, it could take 20 years, it could take longer. There's been studios that have been wanting to get rights to things that it's been more than 20 years. Um, so you know it's great that Marvel Studios wants to get back those characters so they can do more with them. But, you know, um, I, I'm not so sure what they'll be able to do with it. You know, going back to my earlier point, uh, now that I think about it, you know, you think about the Fantastic Four, and I don't know about you, but every movie that I've seen them do with Fantastic Four, you know, granted it's 20th Century Fox doing it, um, I haven't really been a fan of. I, I think they've all been really lame. Uh, the X-Men movies I thought were good. Uh, Logan was different, um, but I didn't really care for Logan either. Um, so again, you know, it just kind of goes back to what I was saying before. I kind of feel like by making so many movies about superheroes, they've kind of killed that marketplace. They've kind of killed that enthusiasm for those types of movies. Um, something else that I tweeted, going back to politics, something that I'd totally forgotten about, um, but I think in the back of everybody's mind, uh, people that are interested about what happened with JFK, um, remem remember the fact that, so you know, on October 26, 2017, so a little bit more than a month from now, um, all of the JFK assassination records must be fully declassified. Um, but, you know, even though that's just a month away, I do still feel like there's going to be a lot of redactions, so a lot of things that are like in black blacked out so that you can't see it um, just because there's so much controversy there's so many conspiracy theories about what actually happened with JFK um, you know you've got the magic bullet theory um, so so much controversy and conspiracy about what happened around that event um, and you know speaking of JFK I thought he had a really interesting tweet one of my favorite or excuse me tweet he wasn't alive to tweet uh, he had a really interesting quote, I should say, um, and his quote was, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. Uh, so I thought that that was a pretty interesting quote from JFK back in the day. Um, then going back to Jamel Hill on ESPN, um, so obviously the press secretary, we talked about this yesterday, uh, came out and said that she believed what Jamel Hill said on Twitter is a fireable offense for ESPN. Um, and apparently ESPN actually tried to go there. ESPN apparently tried to kick her off the air and replace her with another black host. And as if the first thing wasn't bad enough, the second thing I think was just as bad. Um, but it got even more interesting because what happened was her co-host Mike said that he wouldn't do the show and then the two black replacements that would have filled in for them also refused to do the show. So um, in a way, um, you know, her co-workers really kind of st stood up for her um, and I think that that was pretty admirable and I think it was disgusting that ESPN actually went that route. Um, based on what happened with the press secretary, based on, you know, what's going on in the media, 
to kind of give in to that and to deny the freedom of speech to Jamel Hill because again as I was saying yesterday what she said I don't have any issues with because she, you know there's a freedom of speech she's got the right to say it um, she's got the freedom to say it I should say um, what she said um, you know did it in any way threaten the president um, in terms of like a physical attack or you know an assassination attempt or anything like that no um, she was just stating her opinion of who the president is and whether you agree with that or disagree with that that's your opinion but at the end of the day that's all it is it's just your opinion it doesn't mean that she should get fired from her show just because of it um, you know I, I think that's where people in general the majority of people I think get disgusted with the way politics is in the states because you've got people on the far left that complain about things that people on the right say and they want those people fired and now you've got people on the far right that complain about what people on the left are saying and they want to get those people fired when did we become so soft when did we get to a point where somebody saying something means that we have to go to the nth degree after them um, why can't it just be a conversation why can't it be a situation where you know those people that disagree with Jamal Hill converse with her about that you know and, and leave it at that um, she's entitled to her opinion whether or not she still works for ESPN or not she's going to still have the same opinion more than likely so what did you accomplish by firing her nothing it makes your organization look weak um, it makes everybody that wants to support her getting fired look weak um, you know what somebody says um, privately or publicly um, should not determine whether or not they're employed or employable um, you know unless it goes to an extreme where you're talking about threatening somebody's life which is not what she was doing um, you know so that's pretty much where I would stand with that um, Lindsay Adler tweeted out just to add seriously Eves and Duncan which were the, the co-workers there did ESPN a huge favor by making sure they didn't keep Michael and Jamel off the air and I would agree with that I think it would make ESPN look incredibly weak if they did go that route and just already like it looks bad just in general um, but going back to JFK, something that I didn't know as I was looking into some things about JFK um, was that Oswald actually shot at General Walker before allegedly JFK. So, um, you know, there's a bit of a track record there. There's a bit of a history. Um, you know, there there's conspiracy theories about, you know, it being maybe more than one shot, Oswald possibly being one. Maybe there were others. You know, people talk about the grassy knoll. Um, there's the Oliver Stone movie, JFK, um, you know, the, the fact that there's the bullet that's pristine, um, you know, talking about the magic bullet theory, um, the exit wounds, the fact that his head went back into the left as the JFK movie repeated endlessly, it seems like, um, the fact that there was somebody that was under, uh, the, the bridge, I believe it was there, where the bullet actually bounced off of the curb and hit him as well. Um, so there's a lot of crazy things around that assassination and even though the records for it are supposed to be declassified in October I think there's always going to be questions about it I don't think that there's anything that could be released um, by the government could, could change that I think that there's just so much interest so much conspiracy um, it, it, it's really like an economy of its own uh, how many people are interested in the assassination for JFK and uh, you know it, it, it's really just kind of become its own economic force you know Oliver Stone making a movie out of it um, there's just a lot of intrigue a lot of interest and I don't think we'll ever really know the truth about it unfortunately um ABC News tweeted out yesterday that North Korea again fired an unidentified missile uh, towards the east 
um, and it was so far east that Japan actually issued an emergency alert um, warning residents to seek shelter immediately. So again, North Korea continuing with their antics, um, especially against towards, I should say, Japan, um, you know, still very much a cause for concern around the world. Then there was this on ESPN. Um, they actually chose, I think, one of the creepiest ways possible to explain football injuries. So I wanted to share this with you guys. Arrest in week two. What do we know about Odell? Left ankle sprain. That's what kept him out. We know that he did a little testing of that ankle in the pregame warm-up, and he actually did some things there that we hadn't seen all week. Some cutting, a little bit of agility maneuvers. Ben McAdoo saying he's still a day-to-day prospect. It's nice they have the extra day going into a Monday night game. But the Giants don't have a full practice until Thursday, so this is likely to be a wait-and-see throughout the week. And now... What about my little Danny Woodhead? What's going on there? He looked so good when he came out on that first drive and they were really using him, but left hamstring injury, he's not getting carted off. That's an indication of severity. He's projected to have an extended absence, so gotta be looking for a replacement. What's the number one risk for a hamstring injury? Coming back I thought that was hilarious. Really crazy stuff Um, (laughs) from cafe.com. Um, and then there was this from Tim and Sid, showing that when Sid does that, that grin, that, that laugh, he sometimes looks like the Grinch. I think that was pretty funny. Um, and then there was this. Um, So yeah, with that I just said, Mrs. Jenkins, show them false teeth. Uh, So then, uh, yesterday it was announced, uh, this was actually a tweet from Talk Film Society, uh, that on May 17th, 2019, uh, you will be doing only one thing, you'll be watching John Wick Chapter 3. So Lionsgate has made that date official, and my response to that was, fuck Yes, um, if you've seen John Wick chapters 1 and 2, especially the end of chapter 2, the way it ended, where it seems like the whole world is after him, um, I'm so interested to see this next chapter. Um, you know, you know, Keanu Reeves has been in movies where sometimes people like the movies he's in, sometimes they don't. I think uh, John Wick was a movie that most people really did like, I definitely did, and I'm excited as hell to see uh, this third movie when it comes out in a couple of years from now. Um, then there was a really good tweet from Billionaire Mindset. Uh, he was saying, don't change yourself just to make someone love you. Be yourself and let the right one fall for you. I thought that was very well said. Uh, Billionaire Mindset also had another good tweet. Um, to succeed, you need to find something to hold on to, something to motivate you, something to inspire you. Again, another really good, great thought, I thought. And then there was this new idea I only tell the news by using repurposed WWE footage.
<laughs> so there you saw Hillary Clinton in the corner just kind of crying. Um, you saw Donald Trump with the Make America Great Again hat. And then you saw DACA there about to get a concerto. Um, but it was Donald Trump turning on their Make America Great hat um, with the chair shot. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, then there was this from Fox News. Uh, so the press secretary, uh, Sanders, said, um, I can't think of anything worse than having government more involved in your health care. Uh, so Soldier Jane tweeted out, Hi, Sarah. I'm in the military. The government provides all of my health care. I'm sorry you can't think of anything worse in my life. So um, I would agree with her. I think, you know, it's a ridiculous argument from the Republicans. It's one that they continuously go to. But again, I don't really see any alternatives from them. Uh, I, I just find it in a way hilarious, but also extremely sad how you spend seven years complaining about Obamacare only to not even have a solution yourself. Um, I think it speaks volumes about the substance of your party at this point in time. And then there was this from The Hill, which is interesting. Uh, it says that California makes history passing a bill requiring presidential candidates to release tax returns. So uh, some controversy there, I thought, very interesting move by California. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted out, uh, sources for the NBA say that a proposed reform would start with the 2019 draft. Among the changes, three, the three worst teams in the NBA would share a 14% share each um, at possibly getting the number one overall pick in the draft. It's a move in the right direction, but as I was saying in the, in the couple podcasts ago, I would love to see the NBA give an even percentage uh, to win the number one pick uh, for all of the teams that miss the playoffs. So whether you finish ninth in your conference or 15th in the NBA, Eastern or Western Conference, I would love to see that each team had an equal chance to win the number one overall pick because I think that would truly do away with the idea of tanking. I don't think this really helps tanking because still, you know, if you're in the bottom three, you've got the highest percentage chance of getting the number one overall pick. So you're still getting rewarded for tanking. I would love to see it where there really is no reward for tanking and even a team that just missed the playoffs, maybe even by like half a game, or they played a tiebreaker and they lost that game and they're, they're out of the playoffs. I would love to see a team like that end up one, one year getting the number one overall pick and just changing the, 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 and just changing like the landscape of the NBA that way. And then there was this from Matthew from Botchamania. He was saying that he was watching Global Force Wrestling, which is now what uh, Impact Wrestling has become. Um, and wait, Hector Guerrero's Twitter handle is at Lasertron? Apparently that is the case. Or it's a botch. Um, then there was this uh, from Luxury Car saying, I can't believe these cops did this. would you see that but yes the police officers pulled them over to give them ice cream cones on a hot day 
um, I found that to be hilarious and you know you you welcome stuff like that especially with what's going on um, more so in the states with the police brutality but um, yeah I thought that was pretty funny <laughs> um, so then there was this uh, so I woke up this morning and uh, I saw the news about what happened in London with the underground um, you know unfortunately with the improvised explosive device uh, which is scary because, you know, if, if you're like me and you take and you rely on public transit uh, to get to and from places in, in the city that you live in, um, you know, it, it does kind of creep into your mind now, you know, you know, you, you hope that that type of thing wouldn't happen, but, you know, unfortunately it did happen in London. Um, Donald Trump, though, tweeted this out, and, uh, you know, as only Donald Trump could, he said, loser loser terrorists must be dealt with in a much tougher manner the internet is their main recruitment tool which we must cut off and use better oh man so where do i begin with this tweet number one that he continues to call terrorists losers i don't think calling them names is really going to be effective um, I don't think it's going to change their opinion of the United States, and I just find it childish. Um, you know, so to see a president calling anybody a loser or losers, it, it's counterproductive, and I think, you know, 12-year-olds kind of reach that point where they realize that and they stop name-calling. This man is 70 years old. He still hasn't reached that point of maturity to understand that by calling somebody a name doesn't really help your case and it actually makes you look more of like a child than the terrorists do. Um, and the terrorists are, are, you know, a group of people that don't take the time to actually read the Quran or understand what it is, um, and then try to corrupt people with that. So, you know, I, I don't think by calling them losers you're doing anybody any favors, um, except you make yourself look strong to the weak-minded people that already admire you. And I think that's what Trump does whenever he calls people losers, is they go, oh wow, he's got the balls to call somebody a loser. It doesn't take balls to call somebody a loser. It takes balls to set up decent policies to try and do something to prevent these acts. Um, calling people names doesn't do anything, except probably aggravate them and cause further damage. Um, then you've got this quote, we must cut off the internet. Um, I wonder what that would do for Donald Trump's Twitter audience, number one. Number two, um, it's, it's interesting to see somebody who you can argue got elected because of the internet, because of, you know, and, and obviously like all this is allegedly, but allegedly uh, there was news that was fed into Facebook by the Russians that helped Donald Trump get elected. Then you've got the alt-right, uh, you've got the white supremacist movements, um, the, you know, the Nazis, the KKK, all those people using the internet as a tool to gather themselves because ordinarily, if you're living in a regular neighborhood, uh, you know, the chances of those people meeting each other and holding these stupid rallies that they hold uh, in, the, in the States, um, it's less likely, um, but with the power of the internet, uh, with the recruitment tool of the internet, as Donald Trump calls it, uh, you're seeing these white supremacists gather and do these rallies. So, you know, his argument against terrorism online would also be my argument against white supremacists online. Um, but here's the difference. The difference is just because that's happening doesn't mean that I think the internet should be in any way censored or filtered. I don't believe it should be. I think that's one of the strengths of the internet is the fact that it's uncensored and unfiltered because it allows for people with an open mind, and that's the key thing here, people with an open mind to take in information and to decide for themselves what they view things as. So you know, to cut off the internet, I'm sure Donald Trump would love to do that because it would make the general population more ignorant, um, you know, and it would further the argument that people have, you know, these, these accusations when Trump got elected 
uh, some people thought were far-fetched. I did, I thought at the time, you know, this is a guy that's trying to become like a dictator. Well, if he actually goes so far as to cut off the internet, like what they're doing in China, yeah, that is kind of a bit of a dictator move. Um, it's kind of a dick move as well. Um, because by cutting off information to people, uh, you're making your population ignorant. Um, and I think the way things are in the United States right now, that would be extremely dangerous. And here's my argument of why they shouldn't cut off the internet, because I view that to be even more dangerous than any terrorist act could possibly ever be. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really what I think about that. Uh, so Donald Trump also tweeted out saying another attack in London by a loser terrorist. These are sick and demented people who were in the sights of Scotland Yard must be proactive. Um, and Jim tweeted out with that, the London Metropolitan Police have reacted calling this tweet pure speculation and unhelpful because Donald Trump saying that uh, the people that were responsible for this in the underground uh, they were already in the sights of Scotland Yard but that's actually not the case because there's still a manhunt looking for the people responsible so to go to Janine's tweet uh, former chief of staff to the Prime Minister in the UK suggests that Trump knows nothing additional detail and I thought this is hilarious unhelpful is British for incredibly stupid um, and I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, so Kartik tweeted out, can the US expect to see the China model of online censorship and surveillance? Anything is possible going by this tweet from Donald Trump. And I think that's the fear that people have uh, with a tweet like that. Number one, that it's coming from the President of the United States, but number two, the wording, cutting off the internet. Um, We'll see what happens with that. Uh, staying with politics, Microsoft and Apple pledged to defend their employee dreamers with legal counsel. Um, so an interesting move by both Apple and Microsoft, two of the biggest companies in the United States, saying that they want to provide legal counsel for their dreamer employees. Basically to, to protect them from threats of deportation. Um, another interesting tweet, this was from Think Progress on Twitter, California doesn't want any part of Jeff Sessions' war on drugs. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, they've got a link there if you're interested. Check it out, twitter.com slash thejohndnewton. And then there was this interesting show of drones um, promoting actually the movie, the Blu-ray release of Wonder Woman. Um, and this tweet from Patty Jenkins. Uh, so I wanted to show this to you guys because I thought it was pretty interesting what they were able to do with this pack of drones. So that was an interesting sight, and it was actually over the skies of LA. Um, so pretty interesting. Uh, Joe Rogan tweeted out, and if you're interested, definitely check out this link uh, from Dig. Uh, an elite skier shows off his absurdly difficult workout course, and it does look extremely absurd, um, but definitely check that link out. Um, then you've got this crazy image uh, this is of an amazing supercell in Texas in the US. Um, it looks like a monster, it's crazy. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted also, in the proposal for the NBA, 
Uh, Adam Silver has discretion to find teams for resting multiple players in a single game or healthy ones in nationally televised games. Now this is interesting because uh, one of my favorite coaches in the NBA, uh, Greg Popovich with the Spurs, he tends to rest players a lot and uh, especially against teams that he gets the feeling will be teams that he'll be playing in the playoffs um, just so that they don't get those matchups they don't really get to see those players play against their own team um, I think it's good strategy um, but it looks like the NBA is trying to uh, eliminate that possibility by threatening fines now it'll be interesting to see if owners of these different teams decide to just pay the fines um, but I also think as much as I understand where the NBA is going with this um, that fa the fact that it's talking about nationally televised games I think sells the fans that bought tickets short because let's say you bought a ticket you go to see an NBA game that's not being nationally televised one of the two teams, both of the teams decide to rest their star players they don't play the NBA is not going to find them for those situations, so why is it just in nationally televised games that they're doing it? So again, I, I think it's kind of disingenuous by the NBA. Um, if they did it for all of the games, I would understand that. But the fact that they're just doing it for nationally televised games, that it seems very, very disingenuous to me. Um, another interesting article I read is that Hyperloop One is looking at 10 areas around the world where they could set up um, a loop uh, to actually get people from one place to another faster. And one of the proposals, one of the 10, is actually from Toronto to Montreal. Um, so really interesting article on Yahoo. If you guys are interested, definitely check it out. Again, twitter.com slash thejohndnewton. Tattoo particles can actually migrate into the lymph nodes. Uh, that I found interesting. I, I personally don't have any tattoos myself, but I've got uh, a lot of friends who do. And when I saw that, I kind of got concerned for their safety. Um, it seems like the science is still out there uh, trying to figure out what's going on with this, but um, it, it's kind of a cause for concern uh, for anybody out there that has tattoos, uh, so I wanted to play this clip for you guys uh, to see what's going on with that. Ariano Delena runs a tight ship. His studio is inspected by health officials, and he pays close attention to the ever-changing variety and quality of inks on the market, always on the lookout for pigments that don't fade or cause skin reactions in his customers. Some tattooers, they start developing a safer ink that it heals faster, but healing doesn't tell the whole story about tattoo pigments. Scientists have long suspected they affect lymph nodes, the glands critical to the immune system. So researchers used new ultramicroscopic x-ray technology to analyze lymph node tissue from four deceased donors with tattoos. The team found nanoparticles, nickel, chromium, manganese, and cobalt, all found in the tattoos themselves. We actually have a proof that also the contaminations are still in the body after healing of the tattoos, and not just in the tattooings. The nanoparticles are about one millionth of a millimeter or smaller. First of all, we're going to get your consent. This Edmonton dermatologist says it's not clear if those nanoparticles are dangerous. I think it's a little early to make any absolute conclusions, um, so I wouldn't raise alarm bells quite yet. Part of the problem with trying to examine the effects of tattoo pigments is that they continue to evolve and much of the chemistry is unknown. There is such a broad art to tattooing that people will seek out new and different techniques. So I think over time that will make it a bit more complex to know what the implications are. So I think a lot more study and attention is warranted. It's estimated 20% of adults in Canada have tattoos, even more for younger adults. Despite their growing popularity, Health Canada neither approves nor checks the safety of pigments. That's up to the tattoo industry. Vicadopia, CBC News. Uh, so yeah, definitely interesting story there. Um, again, it seems like the science is still out on it. 
Um, but definitely I would say at least a slight cause for concern for anybody who does have tattoos or anybody thinking of getting tattoos. Um, you know, again, I, I don't have any tattoos myself, but, um, you know, kind of scary stuff there. Um, the other thing that I found interesting was coming from Russia. So, uh, they had submarines that were firing cruise missiles towards ISIS targets. And, you know, I, I find it disturbing because you're seeing now... Uh, you know, with North Korea showing their force with missiles, you're seeing in China, uh, in the sea there, they're using their navy to try and, and corner a certain area of the sea. Um, you're seeing uh, in Russia now this show of force. Um, it's just really getting concerning to see these major powers in the world just showing their military might. Um, you know, at such a crazy time in the world. So um, I thought I would play this clip for you guys to see. Um, what Russia was doing here. With one of Russia's most modern warships serving as a viewing platform far out in the Mediterranean Sea, Russia's military set out to put on a show of force for the world to see. Its intervention in Syria's civil war has been decisive, thanks in part to firepower such as this. The Russian organizers of this trip promised the foreign media something dramatic, something they'd never seen before, and this was it. Several cruise missiles fired from a submarine headed in the direction of Syria. Turns out there were actually two Russian submarines, and they fired seven missiles. One of the subs surfaced a short time later. General Igor Konashenkov says the missiles flew over 600 kilometers to targets in ISIS-held parts of East Syria near Deir Azor, one of ISIS's last remaining holdouts in the country. This video released by Russia's military reportedly shows a command post being destroyed. As for human casualties, the general said they don't count terrorists as humans. Some rights groups, though, have said Russian bombs often miss their mark, killing civilians. Since Russia directly entered the Syrian conflict in 2015 on the side of the government of Bashar al-Assad, its dominance in the air has shrunk ISIS territory to just 15% of the country. All week, Russia's military has hurried reporters to venues around Syria, including a demining school near Homs for new Syrian recruits. Clearing all the mines here is likely a 10-year job, and Russia is trying to demonstrate it's committed. The trip also included stops at badly damaged UNESCO heritage sites, such as the Grand Mosque in Aleppo. The leader here confirmed Chechnya's strongman Ramzan Kadyrov, an ally of Russian President Vladimir Putin, has pledged millions of dollars to help rebuild it. Russia's government clearly sees advantage at home and abroad for trumpeting its role in ending the fighting in Syria and for what will come after. Chris Brown, CBC News. So from that actual journalism from the CBC, we go to, in the States, CNN, where their idea of news was an 11-year-old boy who wrote a letter to President Trump saying that he wanted to mow the lawn in the White House, and he actually did today mow the lawn at the White House. Uh, they actually did an interview with this 11-year-old boy. Um, to me... This is why the news these days absolutely sucks. Um, I think it's why you have a President Trump. I think uh, the media is a joke in so many ways. You know, they, they act so surprised, like how can somebody like Donald Trump possibly get elected? This is how somebody like Donald Trump can get elected because instead of focusing on all the issues that are going on in the world, obviously we just shared a couple right now, um, we're focused on an 11-year-old boy mowing the lawn. So all about the distractions, very little substance. But since we're focused on distractions, I thought I would show you guys this clip that shows Donald Trump trying to approach the boy as he's mowing the lawn, and the boy doesn't even say hi to him. <laughs> like, like, yes, sir. I got a fish. <laughs> 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 
So the media having fun at that. And we will finish the podcast with this image of Donald Trump. It looks like holding this kid hostage. We'll see you on the next episode of Papa John's Brain Droppings Podcast.